the most valuable asset that any of us have, Chris, is our time. And so I really got real deliberate about how I spend my day and my time every single second. And that actually makes me even more effective as somebody that's building relationships. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited for you to listen to today's episode because I'm sitting down with a friend of mine who is literally a true serial entrepreneur. Randy Garn is one of these gentlemen. He's you know built and sold three companies. He's got his hands in all sorts of other companies. He does business with the best of the best, and he's going to share some of his secrets as to how he has been so successful. Now, here's the best part. He's also a father of six children and has been married for over 20 years. So he's able to accomplish all of this while having this incredible family life. So we're going to talk a lot about balance. You're about to learn the importance of relationship capital, how he goes about building relationship capital and playing the long game, and also what he looks for in people he locks arms with and that he invests in. So get ready, listen up, because this is one of those episodes that I assure you will make you a better business person but more importantly, a better well-rounded human being that enjoys their life more by the time that we are done with this. So here we go. Randy, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome, Chris. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a beautiful Friday and and, uh, it'll be a fun night, fun day. Love it. Looking forward to it. So I usually start my show with rapid fire. It's a fun way to help my listeners really get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really good that comes up that we want to do deep dive on, we'll circle back around. Does that sound good? Sounds great, bro. All right. We'll start real easy. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in just outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming on the Idaho border uh, in a little little town called Sugar City. It's a sweet little place. God's country. It is. Amazing. And where do you live now? Just for the listeners. Yeah, I live, I live just outside of Salt Lake City is where I live. I live in between Salt Lake and Provo, a place called just Highland uh, Alpine Area is where we're at. Love it. What's one of your favorite quotes? Um, one of my favorite quotes is this. The, uh, the, astro- the, the master in the art of living makes no distinction of whether he's working or playing. Mm-hmm. To him, he's always doing both. So good. What's one of your superpowers? Um, one of my superpowers is driving revenue and business building. You've definitely done that to a great extent. What's one of your favorite books? Um, one of my favorite books is The Art of Living by Jim Rohn. Mm, that's awesome. What's one thing you're challenged by right now? Um, something I'm challenged by right now is I just I just finished the Kona Half Iron Man a month and a half ago. And I just signed up for my first Iron Man for ne- early next year. And so I and and honestly, the if you know my body, I'm not a I'm not the I'm not tall, dark, and handsome like you, Chris. But uh, <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be fun. So I'm I'm pushing myself physically to a level that in which I haven't for a long time. I, I got to tell you, I, I look up to that so much it scares the pants off of me committing <laughs> to something like that. Just so that the listeners know, it's a full marathon followed yep. by how big how long of a swim? 
Um, it's a three mile swim. And how long of a bike ride? And then the bike ride's 140 miles. So how long does this whole thing take? Um, you have to finish it within 16 hours. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine. Okay. So uh, what's one of your favorite accomplishments this far? Um, being, being staying happily married and having six kids and, and really, I mean, and it's a, it's a battle, but I think, I think having like my wife as my best friend is, is super, super fun. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a rarity in today's world. I love that. It's one of the reasons I think why you and I get along so well. I absolutely love that answer. Two more. What is something generous that you've done recently? I try to live the law of reciprocity, law of reciprocity in a big way. And one of my good friends, my little brother was just in a serious car accident. And so I'm working to get him with one of the top uh, medical doctors in the, in the nation. And I, our friend, Brendan Burchard reached out to me and we're going to get him up to Costa Mesa. And so um, I'm going to make sure to take care of all of it for him and, and uh, help him out any way I can. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. He's lucky to have a brother like you. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? Today, what I'm grateful for is clarity in my life. Just real strong clarity of where I'm going and, and, and what's next. Mm, love it. All right. Let's get a little bit deeper into the interview now. And I want to start by talking about this concept that you write about in your New York Times bestselling book called Prosper. And that is really creating the life that we want. And we're talking, you know, like you, you share these six prosperity practices that enable us to create this epic plan, to have this epic life. So my first question is this, can anyone, regardless of where they are today, really create this life of our grandest aspirations? I believe 100% yes, with very big confidence. Okay, so let's use me, for example. If you were to ask me what my grandest vision is for the, you know, let's say five years from now, mm-hmm. I don't think I could honestly answer that. So how would you guide someone like me into figuring out what I really am working towards? We, we actually have a really strong strategic planning process. And, and now in my career, you know, I, I mainly work with CEOs that are running companies and help them drive clarity within their business. And so doing it on your individual level is comes first. And so we actually have a whole, we have a one page Stratlink document. It's, it's putting your life strategy on one page and we call it Stratlink. It's, it's really putting your, your um, linking strategy to execution. And so we build it out into a one page of what you want to accomplish. And then we build out a whole process of how to get there. So it, we actually organize the chaos in your head and help you really get real strong goals in front of you. And what's the importance of an entrepreneur doing this? You know, how does it relate to their business performance? I mean, honestly, it's like it's everything. And everybody needs a good coach. But you also need to have real strong clarity. Even in Brendan's book, High Performing Habits, and even in ours, it's like you got to know what your Polaris point is. Um, have you heard that term, the Polaris point before, Chris? Yep. I mean, it's it's what's your true north, and what in and so, a lot of entrepreneurs that we see and that we work with, you know, less than I mean, it's around less than eighty percent of businesses fail. I mean, most eighty percent of businesses fail because because entrepreneurs are a lot like grasshoppers. Great on takeoff, you never know where they're going to land, <laughs> and so you've got to have a really clear, flexible plan. But you've got, I mean, it's it's so it's so easy to say. But dude, I'm telling you, I go in and I'll sit down with a company. You know, I just met with a company doing 300 million in sales, and 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 I asked them if their whole executive team was on, with were they at, you know were they all rolling in the same direction? I had the CEO, I had the CMO, I had the CFO, I had the chief operating officer. I said, guys, if you can all write down, just pull out a piece of paper. If you can all write down your top three initiatives as a company, 
and have them all on one piece of paper and they're all the same. They don't even have to be in the same order. I just want to know that all three of them are. And how 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 many people do you think had had uh, have that right answer? I bet they're all different. Very very little. And so then you take that on your own person. You take that on a personal level, and you're like, dude, how how clear am I on where I want to go? How much how much clarity do I have in my life? And so I spend a lot of heavy time on that myself personally. You know, journaling. I have my top five strategies of what I want to accomplish right in front of me all of the time. And so you you you've got to be able to really drive that clarity to what and and listen to your Polaris point and what it is you really will put on earth to be. So you've already done so much yourself. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. in the intro, people heard a lot of your accomplishments. What's your true Polaris point? What what's next for you? Um, we you know what's next for me is right now. I'm I'm trying to organize myself into a way where I can bless as many lives as possible, and. The way that I the way that I do that that I found out, Chris, is that you know there's probably a lot of listeners that haven't heard my name like some of the other guests you've had. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually I'm actually kind of the intel inside because if you do see me, you know, like Bedros is a is an amazing friend, Bedros Quillian, and you know working with him on some business models. Now I introduced him to the guy that he's now you know um, setting up his whole boot camp around. You know, I could we did all the coaching and training for Nightingale Conan and Zig Ziglar and. Dennis Waitley, you know, my name's not out there. I kind of like being the the record label, not the artist. Yeah. And so I'm kind of behind the scenes making all these business models work and creating them. And so right now in my career, it's like, man, how many more influencers can I help influence more? Mm. So that's kind of that's kind of what I I love. I I love it. I love seeing them. I love setting the table for other people. It's interesting. We can number one tell that you love it. And number two, we can see the impact that you're creating through some of the people. It might be the front face. But everybody knows and feels the, let's call it the mechanics that you've helped them with and, and roll out. And that's how you impact so many people. You brought up influencers and working with influencers or thought leaders or however you want to label them. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many of them right now. What mm-hmm. does the future of thought leaders and influencers uh, look like, would you say, in five years? It's, it's really interesting because we're... I'm. We're bridging a lot of that gaps because I've I've always been really heavy in in business and business modeling and investing, and so I do work with a lot of technology CEOs. Um, you know, and you think about it was let me ask you this was um, you know was Steve Jobs an influencer? Or was he just the CEO of Apple? It's a good question. I would say ultimately he ended up as an influencer after doing a good job as the CEO of Apple. Right, he was a he was a he was an influencer with a trusted brand, you know. But there is there are new models that are appearing, you know. I started doing all the coaching and training, and we we build a lot of the business models for influencers, like BG, you know. And I say BG before Google, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm using a lot of those models now to grow grow other other influencers bases, and I I think that. A lot of influencers get a bad rap, but what influencers need to do now is they need to know how to monetize their following and their customer base. The ones that know how to do that are going to do very, very, very well. The ones that just are, have a lot of likes and, and that, you've got to learn your business model. And that's why when we wrote our book, you know, Prosper, Prosper it's the balance between money, happiness, and sustainability. You know, that, that's true prosperity. You can have a lot of followers and you can have a lot of influence. But are you really making an impact? And so I help them make an impact 
by driving revenues so they can grow even more. I love that. What do you say to the people that say there's too many masterminds, there's too many e-courses, there's too many events, the, you know, quote, the market is flooded right now. What do you say to them? I would say that that it's a complete excuse that they're telling themselves that they don't know how to market. Ooh, I love that. Got to know how to stand out. So something that you and I share in common is I often teach about building relationship capital and that in my opinion, mm-hmm. is the most important capital you can have. And you're the master of this, in my opinion. You've mastered the art of turning relationships into revenue. And you've got this formula that you call velocity of relationships. Can you share that with us? Yeah, it'll, it'll cost you, but I'll share it with All you. All right. So you can build me. <laughs> no, it, it's, I, I share it freely because it's, it's, it's a really... The people that do it well, um, there's a lot of people that talk about it, Then there's a lot of people that know how to do it. I think the velocity of relationship is doing always making sure that you serve before you try to sell. Mm. Yes, go on. And that what I always do is I I'm always I'm always helping people like that. You know, I have a list of of 15 people that I really truly love, like and respect, and that I want to be around. So I'll do just random acts of kindness or help them or. Or even reach out to them, and it, it's crazy. I have a lot of people that are just like, "Why did you do that?" You know, Randy, I, how do I repay you on this? How does how does this happen? You know, I was like, "You don't need to. We'll figure out how we're we're able to do that later." So it's it's authentically really wanting to serve and wanting to give and wanting to to help other people's lives, and it does that that velocity of relationship. It does come back to you because the next time when I'm like, "Hey, Chris, I want to introduce you to." You know, Philip knew the CEO of Parachute. They've got a really cool dual-sided marketplace for, you know, digital camera gear. I think he'd be great to be on your podcast, you know, and you're and then there's that that reciprocity build up. But if I were to just come to you, you don't know who I am, and I say, you gotta have this guy on your podcast or you gotta have this guy on your stage, and there's not that, you know, that bank account, it's not gonna happen. And so that's it's like the speed in which you can drive revenue for each other is the velocity of relationship. So one of the questions I get a lot from people, they say, I understand the importance of this, but I don't feel like I have anything to offer the people that I want to get to know and the people that I want to build relationships with. How do you figure out what you have to offer? How do you get so intentional about identifying what you can do for somebody uh, in order to start building up this relationship capital? I, I mean, honestly, they just have to think. You, you literally, you, you just have to think. I, for example, there's a there's a guy that I really truly love, and I haven't ever done business with him. And his his uh, seven year old son got diagnosed with cancer, and his seven year son seven year old son's a really really you know really big baseball fan. So I had you know I got assigned he's a Yankees fan. I got a signed ball from Derek Jeter to him personally personalized, and I sent it to that I sent it to 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 this guy, and it wasn't for him, right? Because what's more important than him is his son, and and with a nice note and something special that you can't buy anywhere, and and I didn't pay for it because I had relationships with Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports, and I told him the situation, and that little act of kindness, guess what? He'll never forget. And I did that because I actually love him and I care about him. But we ended up doing business together four years later because of that one thing, you know. And that's that's just not knowing where it's going to go. And I think that's like having faith in whether you call it the universe or being able to to give and and to really support one another is that if you do certain things like that, it really will come back to you and you'll build up a you'll build up a reservoir and you'll build up a treasure chest of relationship capital. 
Yeah, like the law of reciprocity, but you can't put a timeline on it, right? You have to be patient. You can't. I, honestly, if, you, if you're just doing it and you're trying to get something, it doesn't work. Nope. It, it doesn't work. And so I handwrite, I do five handwritten notes every day. I think about who's, who comes to my mind. I write it in my journal, whether I'm on a conference call or I'm in a meeting, somebody will come to my mind. I'll also write just a handwritten note or send them a little gift. I actually give quite a bit of books out, you know, and so I do that, you know, unapologetically. And I've been doing that for years. It's a really simple thing to do that doesn't cost 25 cents. I think it's like maybe 37 cents now to send a letter, but <laughs> really, it's really, really a cheap way to do it. And, and nobody's doing that anymore. Sometimes I'll do a nice video and, and, and I'll ask them, Hey, what are your needs? Like you may not know what you need to give, but you don't know what you, you don't even know what they need. So spend time with people and ask them, Hey, what are your biggest needs? What's going on in your life right now? And it may not be business-wise. It may be, it may be personally. It's so simple, but most of us aren't asking those questions. That's brilliant. Yeah. You know, sticking yeah. to this subject, because you truly are the, the master at this. Um, you said something I want to make sure didn't slip by the listeners. You said you've got a list of 15 people that you are intentionally trying to build relationship capital with. Can you tell us about this concept of actually having a list of people and being that specific about it? Yeah. So here's what's interesting. You know, I've built and sold several companies. And when we sold our third company, you know, I had a lot of people that were just banting for my time and saying, Hey, Randy, can you invest in this? Randy, can you do this? Hey, Randy, can I have this? And literally, I spent about two years of my life just supporting people that were actually just draining me. And one day, my wife came and we were actually in Hawaii. And she's like, Randy, you are, you are doing so amazing. Because I do. I love to serve. But if you're just serving with no, if you haven't figured out kind of your own economic engine and model, then it's it's going to be a nice thing. But if you're if you're not running a nonprofit and a charity, you've got to figure that out because there are people that will drain drain you. And so I do remember at a at a mastermind I was at is actually with the with Joel Polish. It's like surround you know the, if you you become like the five most people you surround yourself with. So I just went a little deeper and I'm like, do who are the 15 people that I love, like, and respect? And that I want to associate with, like the way I think, the way I act, like pushing me physically, mentally, making me better, double down on goodness. And I, and, and I just stopped spending as much time with those people that were literally sucking the life out of me. I still love them and I'll still do stuff for them. But, I, but the most valuable asset that any of us have, Chris, is our time. And so I really got real deliberate about how I spend my day and my time every single second. And that actually makes me even more effective as somebody that's building relationships. That's amazing. Now, we could take a little bit of a left turn here. But another thing that I really wanted to ask you about, because you have such a unique perspective, is we live in this time where influencers are on one of two sides of the coin. They're either like, let's say, Gary Vee saying, you know, forget school for a while, go out there, experience the world, take a shot at a business, roll up your sleeves, that kind of thing. And then there's individuals like yourself who... You have a Harvard MBA and you've been massively successful and sold three companies. You got your hands in all, you know, all sorts of other companies. So what role does a college education play in the entrepreneurial world right now? I think that the education um, system that we currently have is what school helps you to do is it helps you to learn how to get things done. I don't think it helps you be a good entrepreneur. 
And I did. I went. I did go to Harvard, and I went to Harvard, and we did a, a program. That my program was all focused on entrepreneurship, and it was all with with you know guys that were running businesses and companies. It was the owner, president, management degree, and it was all focused on entrepreneurship. I went to Harvard just to be real clear and honest, not just to really learn business modeling, but I went to Harvard for the network and the relationships. And it's made a huge difference so in my life. You, so if you're speaking to a 19-year-old right now, would you say go to college or go roll up your sleeves and, and take a shot at a business? I would actually find out where his Polaris point is. Um, if he wants to be an entrepreneur, then I would tell him to take specific classes that would help him to do that. The problem with education today is I am a huge believer in education. I'm a huge believer in making sure our kids go to really, really good schools, reading, writing, math, and science. We've got to have them. But as far as going to school to become a doctor and attorney, and this is actually in our book, I know an attorney that hates being an attorney. He makes a million dollars plus a year. He's a very, very successful entertainment attorney. His kids are a mess. Family's a mess because he spent his whole life doing something he didn't love for the money. That is not prosperity in my book. And so I would tell a 19-year-old kid, are you going to law school? Are you going to be a doctor for the money? Are you going to school because it's going to make you better at what you were born to do and what you want to do and what energizes you? Or are you going to go to school and find out what that is? You may not know yet. So here's some strategies on how to find that is. So I'm, I'm good with school as long as it's going to get them to the place and where they want to go. That's a great answer for all of us, quite honestly. That's a great answer for any of us. Is Are we making decisions based on what we want to accomplish and how we want to show up in the world? Back to that, that Polaris point you're talking about. Yep. Uh, I mean, a hundred, a hundred percent. If it's not aligned with what you want to become and what you... What, I always talk about, what do you believe? That's my three Bs, Chris. What do you believe... What do you belong to and what are you becoming? Mm, that's amazing. Those are good questions that we need to stop and check in with ourselves yeah. every once in a while, I think. Yeah. Now, when I got a chance to see you speak at Powerful You, you uh-huh. started talking about something called the experience economy. And, and when I heard you speak about it, I thought it was so important. And I really wanted my listeners who are you know the bulk majority are all entrepreneurs to hear about this as well. So could you describe what you mean by the experience economy and why it's so important right now. Yeah, the experience economy really fits back into what you're asking on, Randy, how do you dive you know, deep, meaningful relationships so that, that actually are valuable business relationships? Because you and I know, both know that business, people do business with you because they like you and they trust you. So the only way you're going to get somebody to write a check is because they trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do and there's going to be value transferred. The way that you shorten that is you do it through experiences. There is when I was when I was at Harvard, there was a gentleman named um, Joseph Pine. He's written a book called The Experience Economy, and I mean, I if you go get the book, it's Joseph Pine the Third called The Experience Economy. There's also a TED Talk on it that he's got several TED Talks that that it really it floored me, and it actually changed the whole way that I think about you know, working today, what the experience economy is, is we are living now in the experience economy. That's why masterminds events are actually exploding right now. I don't know if you know this, but I've been doing events for the last 23 years. We did all the Get Motivated events way back in the day and, you know, all the big events with Tony Robbins. And I did that for, you know, from 1996 to, you know, 2013. I didn't even sometimes know what 
city hours and we loved it. And so, <laughs> you know, we were, we were back there, but, but then it slowed down a little bit. Then social media hit. The experience economy is simply this, that with the more experiences you have with somebody, the more likely they are to do business with you and to build deep, meaningful relationships. We, we are living in that right now. And there's actually a new phase to it. And, and Joseph Pine briefly hit it. It's not in any of his books or anywhere, but he did mention it on one of his TED Talks, and which, which I'm actually really mastering right now, is there's an next part. So if you go to the experience economy, if you're an influencer and you're, you, have, you, know, you have your followers, you're, then you're offering, you just go up in price. You, got, you think about the experience economy is, is simply this. You make cookies. Okay. And if you go and, and I grew up on a ranch and a farm, so we could go grind our own flour, get our own chocolate, have our own milk and make chocolate chip cookies. And they'd probably cost like five cents each, <laughs> you know, then Betty, Betty Crocker came along and made packaged goods. So now there's a, there's a good, right? She, mm-hmm. she took those and she put them into a good that you could actually buy at the store. And then that went up in price. And then you can actually get gourmet. You can get gourmet cookies, or you can actually go and pay more money and make the cookies yourself with a chef, and pay like two grand and have an awesome night and make you know gourmet cookies. That that's the that's the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, are you saying that in this crowded space right now, we could stand out more by taking our product and applying an experience to it? A hundred, a hundred percent. So a good example of that is the reason why masterminds are so successful and events are back so successful is because people will follow an influencer like Lori, but guess what they want to do? They want to be with her. They want to be with you guys. They emulate you guys and there's value driven. And so you guys like the experience economy is exactly, you guys have your show, you have your freemium products or whatever it is. Then you have products that you offer and serve could be a book. It could be a, a you know a training manual. It could be a diet plan. It could be a workout plan. But then you have the next step would be your then the next step would be your services, which would be okay. We're going to jump on a webinar, and you're going to have a monthly subscription, and you get you you know then you have your coaching and your training. Those are services. But the next would be go. Let's go to Costa Rica, and let's go zip lining and scuba diving and have time together. They're willing to pay way more than just a training program, right? And so that is the experience economy that is happening today. People want to now be together. They want to have experiences together that drive deep, meaningful relationships. And the next part of that, people are willing to pay more. And especially if you take them to a level of what's called transformation. So everybody wins, right? Because let's use uh, an e-course or a book. That is just a product. But the retreat or the event or the mastermind is that e-course or book in live experiential form because they get to do it with yeah. you. And there's, you know, see, feel, and touch. And everything is, is just so heightened. And so two things happen. One, it sounds like they're willing to pay a premium for it, which is more revenue for you. And two, they're getting a better experience as one of your customers, which is better for them. Yep. And the more you customize it, also the more you can charge. And the more the consumer is willing to pay if you're customizing that experience. Is this similar to the uh, retreat uh, that you have? I forget what it's called. The Buffalo? Yeah, we have the, we have the Bronze Buffalo Club. Okay. Yeah. Tell us, is, is that an example of the experience economy coming to life? 
I'm a hundred percent. So we have, I mean, we took, you know, we did a mastermind with the, up there with, with Brendan and Tom Bilyeu and, and Lewis and, and, um, Russell Brunson. And we took, you know, we had some amazing guys go up there and, and we spent four days together. We, I, once I sold one of my companies, I, I, we, we bought and I partnered with some guys on a private fly fishing resort outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So we own a private fly fishing resort up there. We actually have a golf course. We have an equestrian center. So we do horseback riding, a sniper range and shotgun shooting. So we go up there and we take CEOs and we take guys out of their element and we go create experiences together. We never talk business, Chris. Like we had, we just had the, the 11th annual Rocky Mountain Economic Summit where I had three Federal Reserve presidents and we had, you know, all the economic leaders of the of the day there. And we drove, we drove a lot of that through through those experiences. And we never talked business. We never talked, we never talked business for it. Because sometimes um, it's way better just to connect through life. Yeah. Yeah. And once you once you do that, once you once you've actually had that, those experiences, then then guess what? They're reaching out to you. How can I help you? And you may do something there. It's 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 really about building those long-lasting relationships that when the time comes, you need something. I could call a guy at Bain Capital because I've been fishing with him four times and I've taken him in a some bear hunting, right? Yeah. So that's that's what I'm talking about is the experience. And then I blend it with the law of reciprocity. It's amazing. You know, You're I, always playing the long game in everything I notice. And, and so clearly yeah. that is a real key to success. It it is a real key to living the life you want. I love that. If you're if you're always transactional, Chris, you're you're not you're literally going to be going from one transaction to the next transaction to the next transaction. If you learn how to play the long game, you're going to have so much more success, so many more friends, and a lot more and a lot more money at the end of the day. I feel like if you're Viewing everything as transactional, that would just be a really stressful life. Almost like you're you're always tracking and comparing. And I can see where that would be the recipe for burnout. Yeah. I mean, do you know people like that? I do. Yeah. I know so many people that all they're looking for is like all they care about is the mighty dollar. And it, and honestly, like people can smell that, but people can also smell authenticity and that you care and that you really want to do that. But you're not going to get that authenticity if you're just if you're looking to just close that deal quickly. Yep. You know, I have a guy right now. He's looking to raise capital, and every time the first part of the meeting and lunch or whatever, or golfing or fishing, it's like, hey, you know what? I've got this. I'm raising this fund, and and all of a sudden, you've just turned that investor off completely. Yeah, totally. You've just killed the deal. Or if you're trying to, you know, or if you're trying to sell something online, and you're just always hustling your product, and you're not building real meaningful value and transactional stuff. And all you're trying to do is always just sell, sell, sell something. And you're not driving that value and building that relationship first. Your sales are going to hurt from it. Oh. You may think you're, I'm a freaking awesome salesman, but that day has changed today. Completely. The day, the day now is like, it is all about relationship selling and trust is today. And especially, I got, whenever I ask people, I was like, you know, how many of you trust the government? You know, very few hands go up. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, where do we go if we want to look up somebody? You know, we'll go to review sites. 95% of people go to review sites before they'll go out and eat. And so that trust is so important in being able to do more sales. And so if we're trying to just always sell, 
you're going to hurt yourself in the in the long game and the short game. Mm, I couldn't agree more with you. A little bit of left turn. You have six children. So first of all, yeah. wow, congratulations. <laughs> A really great marriage. How long have you guys been married? We have been married for 21 years. Wow, that's amazing. I've got 14 years coming up this month. So I, can, I love it. I can only imagine. So how do you make, with everything you're doing, how do you make your family a priority with all that you have going on in the business world? Well, for me, you know, I've had some great success. You know, I'm not like like just crazy. I have more money that I know what to do with than, than you know, I could just take it off. You know, and even if I did, I love working. I love, you know, creating and building and growing. You know, I'm doing what I love. And but what I do, what I do really, really well, and and I didn't always do this, Chris. And you know, I'm not a saint by any ways, but I do try to do my best. My priority in my life, first and foremost, is my relationship with God and relationship with my wife and my kids. I mean, if you look at it, the, our, greatest, our greatest happiness and joys and our greatest sorrows come within the walls of our own home. Mm, that's so true. And so no, there's no amount of business success that can compensate for failure in the home. There's none. I know too many people where their hearts hurt they're highly successful and highly wealthy, but they have, they're divorced and they have no relationship with their kids. I'm, I made it clear in my day, my true definition of prosperity is the balance of money, happiness, and sustainability. And my, my greatest joys come from my family. So when I'm home, I really do. I shut it off. I shut my phone off. I turn it off and I'm home when I'm home. Oh, I love that. Okay. So number one, it sounds like you've made it your, your true north, your absolute priority. Yeah. So what about... Uh, from a strategic standpoint, how do you balance it all? I mean, six kids is a big family. That's a lot of obligations. It is. It is. I mean, um, for example, you know, I'll take, we do have the private fly fishing resort. So I'll actually take my daughters up fly fishing with us with clients. Um, tomorrow morning, I'm taking a really close friend that we're doing some business together. We're going to go talk business, but we're taking his two sons and my two sons fly fishing in the morning with some guides. This is yeah. really interesting. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I would imagine the foundational lessons that they're getting by being able to tag along on some of your, your business meetings and business trips must be amazing. I mean, they are learning so much. And for me, like we're going to, we're going to go to Lake Como. We leave Wednesday. We're going to Switzerland and I'm taking my two oldest daughters and my wife and they're going to miss the first week of school. You know, you talk about school. For me, the first week of school isn't going to do much for them. But what if they could actually go to and be a part and hike, go to Lucerne and go to Lake Como and see the history and they're going to learn more and me being with them and training them. And then they're also going to be with some business leaders. You know, we're going to a wedding of a really awesome friend of mine out there and they're going to, you know, rub shoulders with some awesome, awesome people. For me, they're going to get way more out of that than going to school. I could be one of those parents would be like, well, I can't take them to Switzerland because they're going to miss you know, the first week of school. I'm actually the opposite. They can catch that up. They can't catch up time with their dad and their mom going to Switzerland. I couldn't agree more. And if we've moved into the experience economy, then them having worldly experiences are going to help them thrive in the economy. There's got to be a tie there. 100%. So your kids well, are do you see, do you see how I, you see how I use the experience economy for my own family? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's all congruent. Now, yep. your kids are obviously learning a lot about business by watching you 
and by being mixed in with all of these experiences that you get to have with other business individuals. How do you want your children to view money growing up? That, you know what, that's actually a really important piece too, is that they have to earn it. Um, they have to understand how, you know, my daughter's paying for her own car, she's paying for gas, she's makes money in shows. And, and so we are, we, I think that one of the biggest things that we can do as parents is to teach our, teach our children financial literacy because they're not going to get it in school. No, nope. Chris, I mean, they're not. And so I think, you know, we do allowances, we make them work. Um, my kids are, my kids are hard workers. Um, that's another reason why we bought the ranch is like, we have, you know, we have a cattle ranch, we have a horse ranch, but they have to work around the house. They have to clean their bedrooms. They have to do this or else they don't get certain privileges. So I think financial literacy is important, but I actually think even more important is teaching them the law of accountability. Ooh, explain. So if you let, you teach people how to treat you in life. And so my dad was a high school football coach and I'll give you a good example. And so he, he was loving, he was awesome. But here's a good example. Like when I was a junior in college, we had prom. He was going to let me use our nice car to take my date out. And the night before he said, Randy, I need you home at 12 because we got to go feed the cows. And I got home at 1237. I still remember. And I snuck into my bedroom and I got there and I was like, we're getting ready to jump into my bed. I'm like, good. I'm glad my dad didn't catch me, dude. I'm home free. Baby, I'm going to make this. And I pull my covers back and there's my dad sleeping in my bed. Oh, no way. That's amazing. Uh, and, he, and he said, Randy, what time is that? I said, well, it's 1241, dad. And he's like, what time did you commit to me? What time did you commit to me that you'd be home? And I said, I told you I'd be home at 12. Well, what did I tell you? You're not going to get the car, but let's, let's say prayers together and you can go to bed and I'll see you at five in the morning. So he didn't get mad at me, right? He didn't yell at me. He, like he never did, but guess what he did do? He held me accountable. I didn't get to use the car. And I, I was thinking in the morning, hey, he's going to forgive me. He's like, no, this is what I committed to you and you committed to me. You didn't follow through with it. Like, Randy, that's how life works. That's amazing. That's a cool example. I love that story. You and I also share an ethos for generosity and, and philanthropy. What causes are important to you these days? You know, right now I do. I've, I've done quite a bit. Like, I'm really do a lot with the Underground Railroad with uh, Tim Ballard and we, you know, um, Nick Nanton's a good friend, but we did a, a movie with him about, you know, sex slavery. I'm also, I'm also really, you know, I'm doing some things right now. My, you know, I'm doing some other things right now as well on helping kids with literacy. And so, so I, there's several charities that I'm involved with. I'm also involved with one called the Hope Squad that's helping prevent suicide in teens. And um, that's what I'm, I'm pretty passionate about as well. As individuals become more and more successful, do we have an obligation to share in the generosity and charity and philanthropy? Or is it really an individual choice? I think that here's how I think it works. And this is actually in our book as well. Is that a part of happiness is giving. Um, if you're not giving, you don't, you don't really understand fully that what it means to that, that you don't fully, fully, you don't get that blessing. That's just my, my own thought is like, I love giving because actually I don't believe anything that I have is mine. I think it all came from a higher power. 
So everything that I have is already somebody else's. And at the end of the day, Chris, I can't take any of this with me. You know, I can only wear one pair of pants a day. I can only eat so much. When I get to the point where I have more than enough, then I do feel like we should give only, not only because it blesses other people's lives, but it changes you. It changes you. Yeah, it really does. Do you have a favorite moment of giving that stands out to you that reached you or changed you? Yeah, actually, I do. I just, it just actually, it just came to me. There's, there was a time where we went, we actually went to India um, for our, for one of our, our Harvard reunion trips. And I just got back from Dubai from one, we go every four years and, but you know, it's, it's, a, again, it's a networking, it's like a powerful mastermind of guys that are running some cool companies. And so we went to India and one of the guys that ran the India stock exchange woke up one morning and he said, all I'm doing is making money and I'm not blessing people's lives. So he started a, he started a charity called Jaipur's Foot. We went to Jaipur's Foot and he's actually figured out a way how to make prosthetics out of uh, digital printing. Um, out of basically out of plastic, right? It's he can print a leg or an arm or a hand. Wow! In, like three D printing, kind of three. Sorry, three D printing. Yeah, I couldn't think of it, but they can three D print something for fifty dollars. That here in the United States, they're going to charge ten grand to twenty grand for a you know prosthetic leg. These three D printed ones actually last longer. They're sturdy, and so I have the opportunity in India when you're in that. If you lose a leg or an arm, and you're a father and you're supporting kids you are going to die. Your children are going to suffer. There's not much. So it's so important for them. So we actually went and, went and learned about that. And I actually had the opportunity to make a prosthetic leg for, and I, th- I seriously, I get teared up a little bit even thinking about it, for a guy that had lost his leg three days before, got ran over by a train because they just pack on the trains. And he had six kids and he was a farmer. Oh. Um, and so I had the opportunity to meet him before do all the measurements, go back, make his leg, and about about two hours later, go give it to him. And then we also gave him, you know, a, a cart to be able to utilize for his ranch. And so I couldn't speak Hindi. He couldn't speak English. But dude, I, I gave him that leg and we put it on. And like, do we just embrace it? We just I just looked him in his eyes and and from there I was like, you know what? This was more valuable than any amount of money that I have. Like his life was changed and my life was changed. So that's where giving can be so amazing. And that was just, you know, one experience of that trip. But we did we did that for 120 people that day. And each one of them was that impactful. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine the stamp that would leave on, on your heart, on your soul, you know, creating these prosthetics for 120 people in a day in a country yeah. where otherwise they would die or not be able to work. Yep. That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. So speaking of giving, you've given us so much greatness. Where can we follow you? Where can we find you? Where should we plug into you? Uh, um, you can go to randygarn.com. That's my website. You know, um, I'm, I'm on I'm in Instagram, Facebook, Randy Garn. But, um, you know, if, if people want business modeling, if they want, you know, help with growth and scale, and you're in a, you're in a place where you want to actually make an impact and not just not just generate revenue, but I, I work with very conscious capital companies and, and influencers that are making a massive difference. You know, we're doing some really cool stuff with Brendan on High Performance Institute and, and others. And, and um, so that's, that's where you can find me. And that's what I love. Wow. I love that. Well, before I ask you the last question, I just want to say I love all of the, the value that you... You really walk your talk. You know, you, you reach out to Lori and I so, so many times and 
you, the way that you show up is just of this really giving, caring energy where you connect people and, and you give ideas and you say, how can I support you without expecting anything back in exchange? And so I just wanted to thank you real quick for, for showing up that way and, and leading by example. Well, Chris, you're, you're awesome, man. You just have, you have such a powerful energy about you. And I know you guys are, are doing this because you love it. I mean, both you and Lori are a great example of so many couples and and I applaud that in a, in a world where that's very rare, you know, just keep doing what you're doing as well. And, and Norm here is a, a support anyway. We feel that. And, and, and thank you. So last question. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success? Because you need, uh, well, because if at the end of the day, if you haven't lived up to your full potential, you're going to live a life of regrets. And the only way you're going to do that is is by really getting strategic with what direction you're going. Because we're all given the same amount of days. Why is it that one person can make $40 million and another one can make $400 million? It's because of strategy and execution. And I say, if you're going to do it, quit freaking worrying, quit being fearful and get up and go make the life you want and go create the life you want by strategically putting it together and work your guts out to do it and have fun. We choose our hard. We, it's going to be hard either way. So choose to do everything you can to hit your Polaris point. That's what I say. Oh, wow. Love that answer. What an awesome way to put a bow on this thing. Randy, thank you so much for, for jumping on. I know your time is valuable. And I can't thank you enough for sharing with all the listeners. This is one of those episodes where they're going to have so many different takeaways that they'll be able to enhance their life immediately. So on behalf of everyone, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Have a great weekend, buddy. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.